You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. This is Rachel. Thanks for joining us. On today's episode, I talked with Yancey Arrington, our teaching pastor, about the beauty of our God who's sovereign in control of all of history, who knows us completely and yet desires and responds to our prayers. Let's listen. Welcome to the podcast, Yancey. It's good to have you back. Thanks, Rachel. Good to Always be back. Always good to have no, you here. No, it's good to be here. In our, in our new digs. In our new digs. <laughs> this is my first time here, and I like it. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, so we're in the middle of 40 days of prayer mm-hmm. as a church, seeking spiritual renewer, renewal individually with prayer. And we're also um, hearing from our pastors about how we're being restoried in prayer. Yeah. So I just thought this was a good time to take a little bit deeper dive into some of the big questions people have when it comes to prayer. Sure. These are things that pop up for people that are struggles, but that we don't necessarily have conversations about. Right. Okay. And so you're a guy to do those big questions Well, we'll see. Today. We'll see how well this goes. I may need your help, but we can try. <laughs> we'll see. So let's just dive in. Um, so one of the first questions is just... Um, if God is all-knowing, if he's omniscient, he knows all things, yeah. which we believe, if he knows everything, then, then why pray? If he, if he knows my sins, why do I confess? If he knows what I want, why do I ask? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we think about that aspect and attribute of God in prayer? And so if I hear the question correctly, it's based on the, the, the reason they're asking this question is because God's omniscient. Was that the mm-hmm. uh, which big word for a lot of people, which means what? All-knowing. All-knowing. So... So it's a really good question. If God's all-knowing, why do I even need to tell him things that he already knows? And I think that's just a natural question a lot of people ask. I would would kind of turn it on its head. I would say, well, that's one of the reasons you ought to go to God. Mm -hmm. Who else do you know is all-knowing? I mean, maybe you ought to be praying to them if you can find out who else is omniscient in your life. And of course, the answer is nobody. Uh, I'd I'd actually bring in another omni that that he's omnipotent, you know, that he's all powerful. And so um, because of those two things, I mean, I want to bring my request to a God that knows all things. What we have to understand is that God's never surprised by our requests. Um, He's he's not going, oh, I I didn't know that. I I didn't know Rachel really uh, has a a sick kid and and needs prayer. Uh, And I, I didn't know that Yancey's got a trip to Waco, and he, he wants me to, to make sure that he has some kind of travel protect, protection, you know, as we pray, because every time we take a long trip, we, we pray as a family, and I know that we've just talked prior to this, and you've got a sick kid. I'm assuming you prayed for your child for uh, healing, and God's not surprised by any of those things, and for me, that's comforting because he, he does know all things. Um, now, how God enters into our prayers uh, and acts on those prayers to me, is a little mysterious from our side mm-hmm. of the fence because we're limited human creatures. We're not all-knowing. We're, we're, not, uh, we're definitely not omnipotent. We're not omnipresent, which means we're present in all places. Um, and we're, we're, bound, excuse me, we're constrained and bound by time, and God's not. Uh, and so because of that, um, God just exists at a different, I don't know the best way to even describe it. He's just mm-hmm. at a different level of existence uh, and chooses to engage us at whatever level this is, uh, in, in a very real way. He's created it. It's not like he's distant from it. He's very engaged. And to me, those are the reasons why we should enter to uh, enter into prayer with God, knowing that he knows all these things, because it's his job to figure it all out. It's not our job. 
And uh, our job is simply to be obedient, to bring our requests to God uh, because he knows all things. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it should give us confidence to go to a God. And we can talk about some other elements. We can talk about sovereignty more and, and what have you. But uh, to me, the fact that he, he knows everything before I even come to him, that also says something about his relationship to us. Right. Right? So he's not just a judge and a king, though he is both of those things. For followers of Jesus, he's our father. And so... That's the reason we ought to be going to him. And we don't just have a father who's good. We have a father who knows all things. And so, um, but we can we can yeah. chase those rabbits later on. But those are some reasons I think yeah. that we ought to go to God in prayer. I was actually reading Psalm 139 this morning. Yeah. And I was thinking just about, about what you're talking about at the end, this, this relational aspect of this, because yeah. there's this just sort of logical reason, yeah. because he's all-knowing, so we go to him because he knows everything. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, but in, in, in Psalm 139, the whole psalm is about how God knows everything. Yeah. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. You know, so God, God knows you completely and intimately. He created you. Yeah. And then it says, in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none. So he knows our whole life before we were born. And the psalmist doesn't say, okay, so that means I'm out. Right. Instead, he says, I praise you. And then he says, search my heart and lead me. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a trust issue for the psalmist. He says, you know me, you know everything. And so... So I'm going to give myself completely to you, and yeah. I'm going to trust you to lead me. Yeah, and it, which it is relationship too. I mean, I think about my husband, and it's like I know him better than anybody. So I can. That doesn't mean he doesn't tell me things. Right. It means that I'm the best person for him to talk to. Sure. You know, yeah. and he knows me. So if I'm struggling, he knows exactly why. He probably knows what I'm going to do. Yeah. Even if it's the wrong thing. He's got thing. a pretty good guess. I'm <laughs> he's, he's got, got the he's, best educated guess than anybody else. Right. He's got a good <laughs> guess because he knows me so well. But that means he's the best person to go to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I would also add, and I like how you pulled out Psalm 139. I mean, notice the response of the psalmist here. I praise you, God. Like mm -hmm. too many times or far too often, we just think of a prayer is all about uh, a, a requisition form. Mm -hmm. God, this is what I want. This is what I need from you. Uh, I need you to do this. It's, so it's always about, not always, but oftentimes, it feels like it's always about us asking God for things. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, God wants us to do that. But prayer is way more than that. And so to know that God's, uh, let, let's go back to the word we began, to know that he's omniscient, that he knows all things. I mean, the psalmist says, and I praise you because of that. Mm -hmm. Like, like there's something in us that God's wired us to to, to praise, uh, to give our lives to something bigger or to someone bigger. And when we recognize that God is the one who uh, is over all things and knows all things, I, we ought to lean in just like the psalmist does. Because this is true, I praise you. My life is devoted to worshiping something and we worship all kinds of things. I mean, if anything, our hearts are very divided, uh, and, and we worship things that are lesser gods. Calvin said that the heart is a factory of idols, uh, that we, we basically produce more things to give our hearts to, because ultimately, we are wired to worship the one true God. And if anything, uh, or at least one of the great things that should lean us into worshiping God through prayer, giving him our praise, is because he is who he is, mm -hmm. that he does know all things. Uh, and there's way more than that that we ought to praise him for. But I, I appreciate the, um, what the psalmist does there to teach us that you're not just going to God to ask for stuff. You're going to God to speak to him, to tell him how much you love him and how great and wonderful he is. And that actually does something for us. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I've also had, you know, I've had people come to me and ask like, well, why confess too? If he yeah. already knows, yeah. 
why confess? And yeah. it's a similar answer. It's it's a relational absolutely and submissive response yeah. to to who God is and in relationship. Because just like with our kids, I mean, we we know they did it, yeah. and we still need them to confess. Oh, absolutely, it's about repentance and restoration. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think uh, you hit it right on the head. We see a lot of these texts where it talks about uh, that that because of the work of the cross, Jesus has forgiven us for all of our sins. Completely true. Uh, as we come to Christ in faith, uh, we are absolved and forgiven of all those sins because of the righteousness of Jesus. And that's that's where we read those texts, and they're spoken of really like Romans in judicial ways, like mm-hmm. uh, the guilt that you and I uh, accrued, if you will, because of our sins has been taken to the cross, and uh, Jesus has dealt with that guilt for both of us and for all of us who are followers of Jesus. Uh, we are we are we are not guilty for any of those sins. I should say that we're guilty, but that guilt has been taken care of. We have the righteousness of Christ upon us. Now, that's one way to talk about what Jesus has done. But the second part of that, or another part of that, is what you mentioned. We have this familial, not just a judicial renewal. We have a familial relationship with with God through Jesus. So now, God is not just as we talked about a judge; He's our Father, and uh, as a heavenly parent. Uh, and we're his children, when we, when we mess things up, uh, we go to God, not that we are forgiven, like, oh Lord, I've sinned, you gotta go back to the cross because uh, apparently it didn't work. We know that Jesus died once for all. It is finished, even Jesus said. But there's this relational accounting that we have that like, listen, when I, when I mess up, uh, I, I wanna go to my father and confess to him that I've blown it, not because I don't feel forgiven, but because he's the one who's already forgiven me and I love him. So, I mean, I, I, my dad, and I'm a, I'm a parent too, but when I was a child, my, I had two other brothers. We, we did all kinds of bad things. And I knew my father had already forgiven me. I didn't even have to ask, but I, I felt compelled to speak to him because we had a real relationship. Mm-hmm. And I don't, if that's true on an earthly level, it surely must be true on a heavenly level as well. And we even see that in the scripture. Mm-hmm. So we see that in First John, where we talk about, uh, you know, confessing our sin before God, not because if we don't remember every one of our sins in prayer that God yeah. hasn't forgiven those. Yeah, that's Again, important. The cross yeah. takes care of all that. So I used to have some friends of mine like, listen, if you don't, if you don't confess every sin, you have some sins that are unconfessed and they're unforgiven. And that, what they didn't, I'm sure they weren't intending this, but it really mocks the cross. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it makes light of the cross, I should say, if not mock. Um, it Because Jesus is, the blood of Jesus has covered all of our sins, but the blood of Jesus also made us a family. Right. And that's why we confess. And that's why prayer is so essential in the life of a Christian, because it's where we get to, forget the language here, but you know, we get to curl up and sit in the father's lap and tell him, Fathered Abba, as Jesus would say, Dad, we love you, and here's where we've blown it, and we just want you to know that you know we're just grateful for the work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I love that because you in the beginning we were really talking about trusting God because yeah. He knows us completely. Sure. He created us. He knows our days, but also we trust Him because of Jesus, because we're His sons and daughters through the blood of Christ, and so we can just rest in that. So we trust Him in every single way and yeah. can go to Him completely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just. I appreciate you using the analogy or the illustration of, you know, even with your own family and just with parents. I, I, I want to stress to people at Clear Creek, like one of the reasons that prayer is so important to us is because we do have this familial relationship. We're a family. You know, God is our father. He's made us a family where we love and serve. It's one of our gospel grid storylines. Uh, but but that really does also impact how we see God. And it's tough if you've never, if, you, if you've had a bad father figure or a bad 
mm-hmm. parental figure. Sometimes that's hard, uh, but that's why the gospel is good because it can retutor us mm-hmm. into what a good father looks like or a good heavenly parent. And uh, I mean, this is the father who gives us his son completely and utterly on a cross to die for us so that he might bring us back as, you know, uh, scoundrels and rebels and make them sons and daughters. Uh, that's just to think about that mm-hmm. should make you want to run to God in prayer. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really great point too. I mean, I think for some people to think God knows me completely is scary. Yeah. Because they have never experienced someone who knows them completely yes. and then loves them Such regardless. Yes. And so I think really that's that that's just that really understanding the gospel and what Jesus has done for you. Yeah with your relationship with God, that there, there is none of that, that he sees you completely and he loves you completely because yeah. of Jesus. Oh man, that's such a, it's, we got to just stay there for a second only because I'm so glad that you raised that up. Uh, that I, I think there were so many people, Rachel at Clear Creek and, and around the Bay area, around the nation, around the world who fear being known mm-hmm. because they have some kind of skeleton, some kind of thing that they've done that they're ashamed of, or maybe it's something that happened to them. Maybe they have a trauma that wasn't even their fault, but they they bear so much, um, I don't know, darkness. Yeah, on shame, the, yeah, darkness, yeah. Uh, that they don't, they never let themselves be fully open to anybody. And that's a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I understand the challenge with that. I just... I love the fact that that the gospel shows us that God already knows every square inch of us inside and out. He knows our failures, our foibles, our victories, our, our wins. Um, and and what 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 I want people to understand is what the gospel tells us is that because of Jesus's work, that God loves you based on Jesus, not based on us, but but loves us completely and utterly. Like he's he's not looking for a better version of us to love. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, all the more reason to want to hide ourselves in God through prayer. In other words, to just spend time speaking with him, uh, not to ask things from him solely, Mm -hmm. but to just tell him, I'm just grateful that you know every part of me. And even these dark things that, whether they happened to me or I even did them or whatever, um, like you still love me, right? And and the gospel just resoundingly sings this chorus, like you are loved, you are loved, you are loved, not based on your goodness or lack thereof, but on the on the goodness of Jesus on mm-hmm. your behalf. So uh, that's one of the things I think is more powerful about prayer that people don't think about, mm-hmm. just to have communion and fellowship with God, the Father, through the Spirit, uh, in the name of Christ, where we spend time just thinking about and dwelling on the goodness of God and just having a conversation where we know what Jesus, what God has said to us in Jesus. And we're just responding to him like, you know, God, sometimes I'll just pray, God, thank you. I'm such a mess up. I'm such a screw up. And I just, I thank you that you've given me Jesus. And that's it. That's the only, and then I'm, I'm off on my day. Right. But it just reminds my own heart about uh, who I am in Christ uh, to fight some of the uh, struggles and demons that we all tend to, uh, tend to uh, struggle with when it comes to shame and guilt and sorrow and darkness. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry God, I had to run off that. No, I no, thought no, it was such I, a great point. No, I, I, I love it. I mean, <clears throat> God loved us so much that he sent his son. Absolutely. And then we see his complete love for us in his son. And yeah. then we experience that love through yeah. his son. And yeah. it's, it's really, it's an amazing story. And it's, it's one that we, we forget to sit in. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, we, we forget to actually spend the time to just, to just remember how much God loves us. And, and that's why I think prayers, it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off you there. That, that's why I think prayer is so important. I mean, when we're talking about prayer, you know, prayer isn't just, uh, again, I, I want to say this. It's not just asking things from God, though it is a part of that. It's just, Part of that, what we would talk about, this kind of gospel remembrance or mm-hmm. gospeling ourselves, to use gospel as a verb here, 
involves prayer because it's just sometimes it's just saying things to God like, God, I thank you because this is true. Or I thank you, Lord, I, I praise you because of what Jesus has done. This is now a reality in my life. Help me to live in that reality, you know? Mm-hmm. Help me to, to experience the joy that's already there at the cross. Help me to see everything in my life uh, under the umbrella of, of the king and the kingdom, a king who you've given me and a kingdom you've brought me into all by the shed blood of Jesus. And it doesn't have to be much more than that, but just doing that, just, it resets us, mm-hmm. you know, it primes us for the day. And that's why uh, I think people miss out on just a golden opportunity for prayer uh, to not make it, you know, magic, hocus pocus. It's just, um, it's one of the ways we rehearse the goodness of the gospel for mm-hmm. us. Prayer is just a key, uh, or at least an element to that. So Yeah. Okay, so I want to go with a little bit harder question. Okay, yeah, sure. So there's, you know, God's all-knowing. He yep. knows everything. And so how does that affect how we pray? And then there's also the fact that God is sovereign. So God is completely in control of all things, yep. of history, of you, of everything. And so if that is true, then how do we think about prayer? Yeah. So let me let me go a little wider angle here. Um, <clears throat> when we say God is completely in control, what do we mean by that? So we might use the word God is uh, omnipotent. Uh, the, the word you use is God's sovereign. And so what we're saying is that there's nothing under God's rule and reign that goes beyond his will, that if he wanted to stop, he couldn't, which he could stop anything. So the way, how I see it is that God uh, allows things to happen uh, within the freedom of his creatures, that he is uh, omniscient. He, he knows it's going to happen. Uh, it's in accordance ultimately with his will. Even sin is not beyond his purview. He doesn't create sin. He doesn't make people sin. But it's, it's a club in his bag, if you will, to use a golf analogy. Like he'll mm-hmm. use it. You know, he'll use someone else's rebellion to still accomplish his purposes. So there's there's some things that um, that 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 God ultimately will do that no one can stop. But in the mystery of how God does things, He uses the actions of I w- I'm going to say free creatures, free in the sense that that I have the freedom to act. Like if I want to grab this microphone, I'm going to grab it. If I'm going to touch my ears, I'm going to touch them. Like no one's stopping me from doing that. God allows a world where I can do that. But even in doing those things, God's not going, oh my gosh, that surprises me. Got to change the plans. I mean, he, he, still, he still does it. Now, uh, what, what some people get uh, kind of caught up in is that God controls everything in such a way where we're just machines and automatons and robots. That's, that's not how the scripture paints God's sovereignty. So that's why I want to get that out there on the front deck here. Now, even the fact that God ultimately is controlling uh, uh, over all things and either allows things to happen, directly intervenes or whatever, some people go, well, if God, is, if God knows how this is all going to end and he's ultimately stewarding history to this end, why should I even pray? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's very similar to the first question. I, I, it's the, I would argue it's the very grounds for why you should pray to God. Um, if, because God is sovereign, um, that is the grounds for asking. Like, if you're going to go to the king, uh, excuse me, sorry. If you're going to request something and ask and ask someone to do something for you, would you not ask the most powerful being in the universe for that? I mean, you're not going to ask. I, I I don't even know. <clears throat> you don't want the economy to change, right? If you have the power to change the economy, because right now we're in a recession, uh, where, where we think we might be, we definitely have inflation. Could we go into a recession? Uh, so if you could change the economy, you you would. But you wouldn't go to your local school teacher and go, hey, could you change the economy for us? Because they don't have any power to do that. Uh, you, you might go to your congressman or to the president or whoever, uh, maybe people on Wall Street and talk to them because they have a little power to help influence that. 
And so there's just an obvious logic like, well, okay, I need to go to people that are actually the difference makers instead of the people that are well-meaning but don't make any difference. Well, now think about God. Here's a God who's omniscient, omnipotent, um, you know, omnipresent. He's sovereign over all things. That's, that's why you would go to him. We only get hook, uh, hung up because he's ultimately in control, but I would argue, no, that's the reason, you, oh, excuse me, that's the reason you go to God is because he's ultimately in control. I, I would say um, that's the first reason why you should go to God because he's sovereign, because he's sovereign. Um, I'm, I'm gonna ask things from him uh, because only he can do it. And frankly, there are a lot of things I ask from God that uh, I know only he can do. Hey, I can't change hearts. You know, every time I pray, I'm asking God to do something I can't do. I get up there, I open a Bible on Sunday, and I preach for 35 minutes, um, and, and I'm, that's all I can do. I, I have no ability to change people, but God does. So I'm asking God, Lord, let it be your sovereign will and your goodness to make people, uh, to, to move people to come to know Jesus, and for those who do know Jesus, to deepen their heart in them. That's... I'm doing that because only God can do those things. Only God can move the heart. Secondly, we should, we should pray uh, even knowing that God is sovereign because God commands us to pray. I mean, Jesus, this is the Lord's prayer, Matthew 5 through 7. He's like, hey, and when you pray, you should pray like this. Um, and I would even argue, based on what I said in the, just earlier about sovereignty and human responsibility and our, our ability to make decisions and, and what I would call, at least in one sense, human freedom, <clears throat> Who's to say that it's not God's will that, uh, excuse me, let me phrase it this way. Who's to say that it's not the will of God that he chooses that you act in a certain way in order for his will to be done? In other words, um, God deems that Rachel seek him in prayer and then afterwards goes out and does X, Y, and Z, and so that through X, Y, and Z, God's will ultimately will be done. Well, you don't know that and I don't know that, but God does. And so sometimes I, I think that maybe, uh, not maybe, because we see this in scripture, uh, that sometimes God's will is accomplished through the prayers of his people. So God's, God's not surprised like uh, he wants revival to happen in this neck of the woods and he chooses sovereignly to do that through the prayers of his people. Well, how does that work? Well, there's a mystery there, but mm -hmm. it's still like God is going to do this sovereignly, but he's also sovereignly chosen that the means through which he does this are the free prayers of his people. Okay, well, that's where there's this unique combination of same thing we see in the doctrine of sanctification. I don't wanna to go too deep in the weeds here, but where uh, we see God at work and, and we're at work and how those merge, that's, that's, that's the mystery that only God knows about. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, you know, that's a long answer to like, if God is in control, why ask? Well, you should ask because God is in control. I mean, yeah. he's in control. That's why right. you ask. Well, I think so sometimes whenever I am teaching a class, we are talking about something specific like this, which is good. Like you have to sort of sit in these big questions, right. um, but we can also sort of forget this story of scripture. Mm -hmm. And so I always try to take people back to that story because I'm like, just, just look at the entire story, the entire story of the Bible, because mm -hmm. ultimately it's a story about God's redemption of creation, redemption of all things, is that from the beginning, it was this, I think a little bit mysterious, but real partnership between God, yeah. om omniscient, omnipotent, all these things. All the omnis. All the omnis right. uh, partnering with, with people, with those made in his, in his image in this world. I mean, if you think about his first promise for redemption, it was, yeah. I'm, you know, from the seed of a woman, yeah. the serpent's head is going to be crushed. His yeah. promise to Abraham is through you, there's going to be, um, you're going to bless all nations. Yeah. It's the first gospel promise. And those are unconditional promises. Mm -hmm. So God's saying, I'm doing this, yep. 
but he's using people to do it. Even the first picture that we see in the Bible of Genesis 1 through 3, where we have people made in the image of God, but why are they made in the image of God? Because God's like, you're going to be my stewards. Mm -hmm. You can't do this? No, I can. I don't need you at all, but I'm creating you because I want you to do this Mm -hmm. because it will bring me glory. And so even before we even get to gospel promises, I mean, in the initial world, before sin sets in there, we're partnering with God, not because God needs us, but because God wants us, which makes it even better. So... Uh, but it you're does. right. You're right. It the does. Whole, you're right. I mean, and then incarnation, that's God becoming human to partner with humans in this redemption story. All over the Bible. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And it is mysterious, but it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's what we were actually created for, yeah. like you're saying. Yeah. And it's what we're redeemed into is this mysterious partnership where we're completely dependent upon and trust God, but we're involved. It's real. It's relationship. And And to me... That's really what sets Christianity apart from all the other religions is that, you know, you know, some uh, doesn't, they have no view of a personal God. You know, you just kind of, <clears throat> when you die, you, you're reabsorbed into the universe, so mm-hmm. to speak. Others where, where God is this taskmaster, uh, he's distant, you know, it, everything's already set in stone. He, he doesn't even really, it's almost like he doesn't even want you. I, I know they wouldn't, those religions wouldn't task it that way, wouldn't paint it that way, but it feels like that. It's just unique in Judaism, which then gives birth to Christianity with Jesus. You have this uh, unique uh, partnership kind of way where yeah. God's like, I want to use you. Right. And, um, and that's why, to me, uh, the faith is all about, uh, or a lot to do with our meaning, our purpose, mm-hmm. where we're fulfilled. And that goes all the way back to Genesis 1 through 3, um, ultimately fulfilled in Jesus and then the coming new heavens and new earth. We see Jesus uh, not just by himself. He's with the church, and we're, we're doing things. We're, we're still you know, filling the universe, so to speak, uh, as we glorify God. But now God and man are together in a way that they should have been from the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, that they were in the beginning, but uh, because of Jesus now, it's all been repaired. So, uh, yeah, I, to me, all that stuff put together gives us all the more reason why followers of Jesus should be seeking God in prayer uh, because he's the God that seeks to meet them where they are and to to work with them and in them and through them uh, by the power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I just want to add one just no, side to that. Um, it doesn't have to be, I think that sometimes whenever people think like, okay, that's Yancey saying that, you know, like I'm not Yancey, right? Like I'm not going to go preach on Sundays. Yeah. I don't have that gifting. Um, but I just want to remind everybody listening that that that's for everybody, everybody, right? That promise to be a part of God's story, to be used by him in partnership with him is, is really for every single person in the church. It's for the entire body of the church. And it's really important to remember. Yeah. I mean, that's why we've done this series the way we've done it. Mm-hmm. Every time um, <clears throat> we come into a service, you know, where we, where we feel like we've been tossed and turned by different alternate stories that we remind ourselves through these movements in our corporate worship service that God uses as means of grace to just restore us back to the one true story. Like this, that's for all of us. That's not for the preachers, pastors, elders. That's, that's for everyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. So... Well, that's a good, I'm glad that you stressed that point. That's, we definitely want to see that for everyone, that they find their place in that story because they have one in Christ and, and uh, that's the goodness where God meets us where we are, so. All right, let me move to something a little bit more specific. Okay. So we are doing really big picture. Let's talk about something um, that's smaller, but that also can sort of trip people up when it comes to prayer and God's promises yeah. and his sovereignty. So um, a lot of that is with miracles. So okay. when you read the New Testament, yeah. 
um, Jesus is performing all these miracles. This is, he's healing the sick. You know, he's, the blind can see, he's forgiving sins. He's doing all these things. And then even though when, after he dies and is resurrected, when the apostles receive his spirit, they're doing the same things. Mm -hmm. So in Jesus' name, they're healing the sick. All these miracles are happening. That can be that can be tough to understand. What does that mean for us as a yeah. church in you know League City, Dickinson, Friendswood right now? How do we think about praying for miracles, for healing right now? Should yeah. we expect that? Should we pray for that? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me let me kind of tell you. I don't want to say this is Clear Creek's official position uh, because I, I think there's a lot of nuance. We have a lot of room for how people can understand the modern day role of miracles and, and who's able to be able to, excuse me, who's able to do that and or not, uh, or should we have them at all? And so I know it sounds really kind of uh, mysterious and uh, I'm not trying to be sinister. I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. Uh, but I do want to explain how I understand the scriptures. So when it just comes to general for like, like miracles and healing, because it often gets tied to prayer, let's separate it for a second. When you, when you look at, for example, like at Luke 9, Jesus, this is before his, his disciples go out to the villages and they're trying to share the gospel. And it says that Jesus gave them the power, I believe like healing and over demons. In other words, they, they were able to do the miraculous. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Jesus gave to the, specifically his followers, not everyone who called on the name of Jesus, but specifically the apostles. And they were able to do some things. And so it seems like, at least early on, that within the body of Christians, there were, there were a group of people uh, that were able to do miraculous healing uh, and deliver people from demonic possession. But it seems to be concentrated with the apostles. When you get to because you mentioned, I think you mentioned Acts. Uh, but with if, mm-hmm. here with Acts is the birth. It's kind of the baby book of the church. I know that Aaron Lutz said that a couple uh, podcasts back, and that's kind of how we see it. It's the, it's a, the record of the birth of the early church. Um, e- even in Acts chapter 2, a, a passage we quote all the time, it talks about that the church gathered in homes and they broke the bread and they uh, read the apostles' teaching and, and, and they prayed. But it also says there uh, that afterwards the apostles went out and did miracles among them and they all were in awe. Well, that's not talking about all the Christians. It's just talking about the apostles had those um, if you will, miraculous powers. So there's, there's something that, there's a good case to say that, that not everyone was doing that, that the apostles were doing that because they were trying to authenticate the message of Jesus uh, and ground the early church uh, and, and, and validate what Jesus had done. And Jesus even told them that in his return, uh, excuse me, after he, before he ascended, after his resurrection, I should say. So there's a whole group of Christians that believe that, that that era, that those miracles and healings were reserved as far as like a gift for a certain group a certain period of time. Now, there are other Christians that don't believe that. They believe that anyone can have that. I want to put all that on the shelf right now. I don't, I don't, I don't, we're talking about what does Clear Creek now believe about prayer and healing and miracles? And so but I just want to make that distinction. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, the teacher in me has to belabor this a little bit. Uh, I believe that when you look at like James chapter five, which says that, you know, if anyone's sick among you, let them go to the elders. And, and there's a, a kind of a process by which they're praying over you and they're asking God to heal them. And it says that the prayer of a righteous man will be effective. And that's in the context of that, that, that section. The idea is that God uh, very well may respond to uh, the prayers of this group of people. They're not, they're not apostles, they're elders here, that he may heal people 
uh, because of that. And so we don't see any correction of that in, in the 21st century church. So if I could extrapolate the principle, sorry, man, I feel like I'm explaining something in a seminary class, forgive me. Uh, what, what I would simply say is based on what we see in the scriptures, uh, in passages like I've mentioned, that, that we would encourage people to pray that God would intervene divinely. I would always argue God's always intervening divinely. I mean, everything that he does, whether it's common grace or special grace, it's all from God. But when we're, we're specifically asking, like, God, listen, uh, X person has this malady, and we're asking you to divinely heal them. We want you to heal them regardless whether they go to the doctor or not. And some people, can, can we pray that? And I'm like, sure you can pray that. Um, why not pray that? Because God, again, this is not just God as judge or God, this is God as father. And I would want my father to know, hey, listen, one of your kids is sick and we'd ask you to, we know you can, we, we just ask that in your will that you would do that. Mm-hmm. Now, we have to be okay where God's like, I'm not gonna do that. Um, even Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane said, God, if there's a father, if there's another way, you know, but not my will, your will. And so um, there, we just need to acknowledge that when we pray, uh, we can pray in faith and we can pray with fervor that God uh, intervenes in miraculous ways. I absolutely believe we, sh- we, we can pray that. I believe we do pray that. Mm-hmm. I believe our small groups pray for that. Our navigators do that. And I believe we have biblical precedent to do that. And <clears throat> I think that you'll see, I think we've seen over the last, I don't know, I've been at Clear Creek for 25 years now, uh, this June. I think over the last quarter century, we've seen God answer many of those prayers. And we've seen God not answer many of those prayers. By not answer, he answered them. The answer was no. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we actually have seen God uh, answer those prayers, not, not directly, but also um, in the common grace, that we have people that, that went to a hospital or they took medicine or they got a protocol with their doctors and they, they were relieved of those maladies, those, those issues. So that's another way we think God answers prayer. So all of it put together, we would robustly say Clear Creek, definitely pray for healing. Pray that God do it miraculously. I mean, when I pray, I don't even care. I'm like, God, I just want this person healed. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I, I would love for you to do it directly, you know, just like Jesus did when he walked through the town of, uh, walked through the towns of, um, you know, Nazareth and Bethlehem, wherever he was, he could heal people. I'd love for you to do it that way. But if you don't, I'd love for you to do it through the doctors because uh, both ways can honor you. So um, yeah, we would definitely say, uh, to pray for those things, to pray for the miraculous, because um, just because of who of the relationship that we have with God through Christ. Yeah, I think uh, also w- whenever we are praying for that, the the healings in the New Testament mm-hmm. from Jesus and Acts, and even whenever we're praying for those things today, they should remind us of our ultimate hope. Yeah. Because what they were, right, there was this authentication, mm-hmm. like you said, yeah. about who Jesus was. It's also, it's showing what the kingdom of God is going to look like, which is the forgiveness of sins, the healing of sick, all things made right. And so I think that even when we ask for that, we're saying it might not happen now because death is, is still here. Sure. The ultimate enemy is not defeated. But we also believe because of Jesus one day, it all is going to be gone. Yes. And so I think remembering that that ultimate hope is true and we can ask for it to happen now, but remembering that it is going to happen eventually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know this is not a whole 
podcast on healing and the miraculous, but when we do look, it's a point well restated here and to highlight that when Jesus did those things, he wasn't doing them just on willy-nilly. He was doing those to, to authenticate his own ministry and to show people he had come to bring the kingdom of God. And all those healings are all snapshots. They're glimpses of mm-hmm. what's ultimately coming in the future. Um, and, and even when you get to the New Testament or later on in the New Testament, I should say with the apostles, um, they didn't all heal all the time. Uh, I mean, Paul writes to Timothy saying, take a little wine for your stomach because he's sick. Well, oh my gosh, Paul could have healed him, but he didn't heal him. I mean, why didn't he, why didn't he not heal him at that time? And, you know, and Timothy's, surely he had someone who had the gift of healing around him, but not, sometimes God's will is that he doesn't heal people. Sometimes God's will is that Jesus goes to a cross uh, mm-hmm. and he, he, he doesn't bypass it. So uh, that's part of the mystery of it all. And yet ultimately we know that the, the shiny object way in the distance that's mm-hmm. coming closer and closer and closer is this, is this truth of a new heavens and a new earth, a new cosmos that uh, where sin and death and hell and sickness are, all, are no more. Jesus gives us glimpses of that, snapshots of that, because he's trying to tell us that's the kingdom to come. That's the context for those miracles mm-hmm. and healing. And yet with that said, uh, oftentimes when I pray for people and I want God to do something miraculous, I'm like, God, can you show people a snapshot mm-hmm of what the kingdom will be yeah. like. And we've had people that have been miraculously healed from all kinds of different issues uh, directly. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just praise God for that. And we've seen it where it doesn't happen, but we want to be faithful to God. I- even when it doesn't happen, uh, we still feel closer to God because we've brought it before him and we can just rest in his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just um, pick up on that, actually. Mm-hmm. So unanswered prayer. Mm-hmm. What we think of as unanswered prayer. Yeah. Thanks, so, thanks, Garth Brooks. Thanks, Garth <laughs> exactly. Brooks. Exactly. We're just going to play that song now. Yeah. Uh, so if you, f- it, I think, I think there's there's two parts to this question. One is if you're praying for something specifically that's not been answered, you don't yeah. think, yeah. which you've alluded to a little bit, yeah. um, but also just when you just don't, you feel like you're not hearing God's voice. Yeah. H- how do we respond to that? <clears throat> well, let's take the first one. Uh, break it down for me. Let's just do one by one. The first one is what? When you... Just something specific you're asking for from God and, and he, you feel like he's not answering. Yeah. I, so that puts you in a place where you've got... Um, here's what I would say. If it's still a desire from your heart and you haven't seen any movement on... So it's issue X. I want God to deal with issue X. Lord, here's what I... I want you to answer X, this issue, a certain way. And it still doesn't happen week after week, month after month. You have an opportunity to either stop praying about it because God's given you his answers. There aren't unanswered prayers. There's there's three answers. Yes, mm-hmm. no, and wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the hardest one's wait. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd much rather just hear no from the beginning and move on. But wait means that I, I'm... Usually wait is not hearing anything from God. Because you're just like, well, is this... Are we going? Are we not going? So on issue X, uh, there's times where I prayed and it didn't happen. And the answer obviously was no. But I didn't know it till uh, there was no... <laughs> we were at a point of no return. And there was nothing else to pray for. Um Yes just means it changes the way that you want to. I'm just trying to tell you from 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 the other side of the pr- from the prayer e or the prayer and then just the one who's the one being prayed to. So like um the the weight's the hardest one because you never know if is it, has it really been no now or is but the Bible just says we keep seeking after God for it. I mean we have stories of you know the the the, the judge and the, la- the the old lady that keeps going out. You know, and God's a good father; He's not going to give you a snake when you're asking for some. So, like the heart of the Father wants to hear our prayers, and God wants to answer them according to His will. I mean, that's what First John tells us. Everyone wants to skip that part. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. ask anything in my name, and I'll give it to you. Well, in my name's the key. In my name means you do it in accordance to who God is, to His character, and to His will. And so, um, 
So like if you you ask it for things outside of God's will, he's he's not going to give them to you. Uh, and and he may not give them to you in his will. It's like, no, I, this is not what's best for you. Uh, in fact, Yancey, you, you're not going to get healing here because that's not what's best for, for your life. Um, Paul three times asked for it. Yeah. He said he had a thorn in his flesh. Scholars debate what that was. Um, one of the things that we're pretty confident that uh, Paul had as an example is he had a running eyesore um, that was debilitating. I don't know the technical name for it, but even when Paul writes in one of his letters, he writes it by, he doesn't have an amanuensis or a, um, he doesn't have an assistant write it for him, which he often did. He would write it in his own hand and he says, uh, I write this to you in my own hand. See with what big letters I use because he couldn't mm-hmm. see. This is a guy that healed people. And he, I'm sure he asked God, well, I, God, you know, let's just say if that wasn't the thorn in his side, it was something pretty similar. And he said three times I ask, and, and the response from God, from Christ, is my grace is made sufficient in your weakness. So part of the glory of Christians is not that they're always perfect and they always make straight A's and they never get sick. It's because the way they respond when they, when they are sick and when they don't make their grades and when they do have failures, that gives glory to God too. It's glories in the failures, not just in the victories. And so um, back to the original question, like, uh, what do you do if um, God doesn't answer your prayer? Well, actually, He is answering it. He's either being, He's either telling you wait or no, and and I think then it's just I would encourage someone who still doesn't get an answer for X to keep praying for them. I mean, many of our listeners have family members that aren't followers of Jesus, and and they're like, you know, Yancey, I just don't see any response from them. I don't see them wanting to come to Christ. They don't even want to attend a church service with us. And they've, you know, now they're 60 or 70 and I should just, I'm going to give up on them. And I would say, don't ever give up mm-hmm. on them. Keep asking God to do what only he can do. Um, and, and there are things I ask God for all the time. I mean, I, I have a son that was born with special needs. Um, I didn't pray for that. I didn't want that. Um, and I've prayed, hey, God, if you can miraculously take that disability or, or whatever you want to call it from him, he's autistic, and most everyone knows that. If you can take autism away from him, please do it, right? Um, I'm not mad at God that he doesn't do that. There's brokenness in the world, but he can if he wants to. So I, I pray for that. I still pray for those kinds of things. Um, so there's something about the tenacity of prayer during those times. Mm-hmm. And, and if there are seasons where you feel like, no, I feel like I need to pray for other things uh, that need to get on my radar, I think that's fine too. I would just encourage people, just because God says, wait, that doesn't mean you stop. His word is wait. Our word is to continue to pray for those things. So that'd be the first answer to the first question. What was the second question? Well, I just want to like add on to that yeah. too, because I mean, I think all of us have had things that we that we pray about yeah. that just keep coming back and keep coming back. Yeah. And I think that there's we have to keep praying with tenacity, but we also have to to surrender to God those things, which sure. which, which you're saying too. But I mean, God really does beautiful things and in those moments. Yeah. And so just like with Paul, when he says, you know, my grace is sufficient, you know, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Whenever it comes to my prayer life, those things that I've prayed for forever, those are the places, those are the places where I have to completely depend upon God for. Mm-hmm. They're the places where I just have to completely surrender to his spirit to just help me in those moments. Yeah. So it's really hard yeah. and it's really frustrating, but it's also really good. Yeah. It also just changes me and it usually makes me look more like Christ, makes me more patient and, you know, obedient and surrender to God in all spaces. Yeah. So it's frustrating, but you can also see that that's answered prayer too. Oh, absolutely. And again, 
mean, the, the, the point of the life that we live is to glorify God and to be sanctified in it. And so sometimes God allows and chooses even hard seasons for us to be sanctified in that we're not, we, we don't get to pray ourselves out of it. Mm-hmm. We need to pray ourselves while we're in it, but we don't get to pray ourselves out of it. Even though, the, and I, I'm okay for you asking God to do that. I'm sure that's what Job wanted. Um, I'm sure that's what Paul wanted. But again, the, the response to, to Paul is a good one for us that my grace is made sufficient in your weakness. And this is the same guy who will later write or who writes in Philippians 4.13, which is so taken out of context by sports coaches mm-hmm. and athletes. Yeah. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you got to look at the list of what he's mm-hmm. talking about. Like, you know, whether I'm being shipwrecked or beaten with rods or stoned or, you know, uh, uh, or whether I'm not doing those things, whether it's good or bad, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So even in my hardest moments, um, Jesus will, God's spirit will sustain me as I lean in and stay close to him. And those are, they may be very dark seasons and seasons where you're, you're praying more than you've ever prayed because I, I get in dark seasons. I've, I've been in dark seasons. Uh, and, and it seems like in those times, you can either die or you can really mm-hmm. get your prayer life up. And, and there's a, no one wants to choose to go through a, no one chooses to go through a dark season. But you can exit one of those seasons with this incredibly robust prayer life that you never would have had when all the seas were calm. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think there's something to that. Yeah, I mean, and that's really answering that second question when we're going through times when we just feel like we don't hear God's voice. Yeah. When we feel like we don't feel his presence or know what he's saying to us. What do we do in those times? Well, that's really... that's it. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's to be... I think it's okay to... Let's not let our feelings dictate the facts. Um... And I'm not discounting feelings where we're saying we want a sense of God's presence in our life. We, we should want to have that. And, and, and for, you know, for those of you that are more on the feeling side than the thinking side, there's a certain way that you maybe feel about that. But listen, when it's really dark and uh, you don't feel anything, uh, there's this idea that the truth is you, you just want to stay faithful to Jesus. Uh, you, you don't have to feel the hold of his hand to know that he's holding your hand. And, and he's already stated. It's where you just go back to the promise of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, all that the Father has given me, I, I lose not one. I lose none of them. Um, and that Jesus is the faithful shepherd and the good shepherd who will take all of his sheep to where they need to be. And it's in those dark moments. That's where prayer matters. Because you're, you're not telling God something he doesn't know. So tell him. And then in prayer, just just remind, uh, remind yourself in telling who God is like, God, I'm just grateful you're the good shepherd. I'm grateful that you're the loving father. I'm grateful that you're the kind king. I'm grateful. And just... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's, it's amazing. You're telling God those things, and yet somehow God in his goodness is ministering those very truths back to your soul in those dark seasons. That's why, folks, that's why prayer is important. That's why prayer is important. You're not, it's not that you're getting things from God, but ironically, God is giving things to you no matter what because that's just why he's good. And that's where prayer is. It's just a, it's true communion. And you don't have to hear an audible voice. You don't even have to feel anything. Uh, you just have to be in a place where you just want to speak to God the truths about who he is and thank him for that. And just in doing that, it does something for your own soul. Mm-hmm. The spirit uses that. So, And even when you don't know what to say, when we already, even our 40 days of prayer, we've already been mm-hmm. through some of these texts. The spirit prays for us. It speaks uh, you know, with groans and utterings. In other words, in, in words we don't have, the spirit speaks to the father. And that's crazy. Now we're talking about this inner Trinitarian, what's going mm-hmm. on here? I'm... Um, there's just something beautiful about what goes on, but it all, you know, it starts with prayer. Mm-hmm. It starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Yeah, I think I think in those dark moments too, that's when you lean into the church. Mm. Um, it's it's everything that we've been talking about in this story Super series. Good. It's um, all these ways that we're restored, that we remind ourselves of the gospel. Yeah. 
and who God is and who we are in the gospel, it, there's a tendency to turn away from Absolutely. the church in those moments. But if you can just lean in, that's what they're there for. Yeah. They're to yeah. remind us and restore us, even when we don't feel it. Yeah. That's that, what community does for us. Yeah, that, it, it, It's so true. It's so common when people get through a dark time or go through a dark time that they pull away from the church. You know, it's not a secret. My wife had cancer. My wife has cancer and is working through cancer treatments. But that would be like someone finding out they have cancer, going through a dark season of cancer and saying, you know, I just don't, I'm not going to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to be around people that know how to, <clears throat> to care for me. Far too often, and Rachel, I'm so glad that you highlighted it. Far too often people, uh, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's for all kinds of reasons, and I'm not here to throw stones. Um, I mean, even in our own dark moments, there's, there's a time where you want to pull away because you're just, you're just trying to survive the next day. And so part of that pulling away is leaving kind of the church fellowship. You're not, you're not dissing on Jesus and you don't hate the church. You just feel just like, you, I, I just want to go in my own, own orbit for a while. But the truth is, one of the best ways to walk through those dark seasons is to, is to re, you know, re-engage, get in that orbit once again of, of the life of the local church, of corporate worship on, on a weekly basis, of getting involved with your small group or getting engaged in a small group. And you don't have to be there super happy. You, know, you don't have to mm-hmm. be with pom-poms. You don't, have to, you, you don't yeah, even have good. to sing. You can just sit there and hear the prayers of God's people and hear God's word being taught. And just let the Lord minister to you because mm-hmm. what, what people tend to think is, I pray and God's gonna directly minister to me. Well, no, maybe it's God's will that he ministers to you through the body of Christ, which is what he says how he wants to do it anyhow. So sometimes it's just being present. So for those mm-hmm. of you that are really beaten down and you know, you're just in a bad spot, we love you and God bless you. And I understand where you've been or where you are. Um, but, but don't just pray to God, be with God's people. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and even if it's just sitting there and not talking, uh, let someone put their arm around you, mm-hmm. let someone love on you, uh, because little by little, there'll be some, um, you know, it's where the cracks are in the darkness, how the light gets through, um, to, to quote a song. Uh, sometimes we're broken enough, we can just get around some places with some light. Uh, it's, it's helpful for our soul, we didn't even re- recognize it. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that point. Oh, it was yeah. a beautiful point. Let me ask you one more question sure. before we wrap up. Yeah. Um, just just as far as our 40 days of prayer goes, of renewal, uh, what what do you think people should hope for? Like we're, oh. we're going through this 40 days. What 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 are you hopeful for in your yeah. own 40 yeah. days of prayer? Yeah. And what what's your hope for our church? So I, it's easy answer for me. And I'm not saying this is the right answer, but this is my answer. And this is the answer I had uh, two years ago when COVID popped up, however long that was. I told Bruce, I mean, almost... Immediately, once we saw that how this was, COVID wasn't just impacting us physically, it was impacting us mentally. And frankly, it was impacting us spiritually. There's been huge reshuffles of people getting angry and figuring out what their true allegiances are, you know, not so much about Jesus, but about these political parties or about this view on science or about this. And so I'm just going to line myself up with whatever church wants to do, whoever agrees with me. Amazing how many people considered it family, then jetted. Uh, and I, I'm not talking clear. I'm just talking nationwide, uh, although we experienced that as well. And I, I, I said to Bruce two years ago, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm praying that God brings a revival mm-hmm. to the United States, just because the trajectory that we were on, we're kind of the rich young ruler country. The rich young ruler didn't fare very well. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of the church, especially like when you talk about the church in suburbia, it's just all the things that pull away at our soul. And, and I just thought, you know, Bruce, I really... Uh, and talking to other guys, I'm, I'm praying that God uses this as a revival. So now we're two years later, we're actually coming out of COVID and I think people, some of them coming to their senses and kind of coming up for air. 
And that has not changed. Like I'm, I'm praying that the Lord in his, in his mercy just uses uh, this kind of new chapter where we can breathe a little bit. Literally, we can breathe without masks and such uh, to, to bring a revival. Well, we'll just be like, listen, we were fighting about some really dumb things in the end because ultimately we're about a king and a kingdom. And, and I hope God by his spirit renews our hearts. And if he doesn't for, do it for the United States church or the church in the West, I want him to do it in the church in Clear Creek Community Church. That's my only prayer. It's mm-hmm. been my whole prayer this whole time mm-hmm. is that we have a renewed sense of mission and love for Jesus and passion and living for him and, and, uh, repenting and, throwing our junk on the table, go, yep, that's where I'm screwed up, but I know I'm loved and forgiven. And, and I, I would just love to see, I, you know, I don't think as like, I want Clear Creek to grow numerically as much as I want us to have this deep gospel awakening, which makes us, I don't know, maybe we'll be even smaller as a church because we'll have people that really want to get serious about following Jesus in a way that they just, you can't stop them. That's my prayer. Um, that's what makes my heart beat fast. And, and I'm right now, I'm hearing from God, just wait, you know, uh, if it's no, I'm not going to do this kind of revival. We'll always be try to be faithful. But if it's yes, oh man, what it would be if it'd be yes. Okay. So that's what I'm, you know, doing the prayer and fast time. That's where I'm, 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 I'm moving my prayers to God to say, would you just, would you bro, blow a fresh wind amongst us by your spirit that we would be a different church, a better church for your kingdom. That's my, that's my prayer. Amen. What's yours? No, that's it. Oh, Amen. <laughs> I think that is exactly our hope. Um, as a community, as the body of Christ, so yeah, we start. We'll start this. Uh, we begin the new year with a series called Awakenings, and so we're just we're just praying that God in His sovereignty. Mm-hmm. So we're praying that God yeah. in His good sovereign will will allow us to start moving in a season of forty days of prayer and repentance, and uh, and move us towards the end of the year. We'll celebrate the incarnation and the goodness of Jesus at Advent, and then we'll start the new year. Uh, hopefully with an idea of what is it to be reawakened to the gospel. So, man, it just, it's exciting stuff on paper, but man, we mm-hmm. nothing happens unless the Lord moves. So that's our prayer. Lord, would you move? Mm-hmm. So. Well, I expect him to do that. Yeah, I'm praying for as much. Yeah, I'm grateful for you to be here. Oh, thanks, Rachel. Great. grateful for you too. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.